13 episodes. So we should probably do something spooky, but it's, we're not doing anything spooky at all. It's it's just another episode. So no no jump scares in this podcast, which do you think you could do a jump scare in a podcast? Um I could probably yell really loudly and it would scare somebody. I guess that's true. It's just like it would be like a it would be us like talking and then just not talking and then just a random noise just pops in out of nowhere, which I'm not going to do cuz that would take much more editing than I'm willing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You were pretty spooky earlier before we even started recording. Like, you got a demon voice for some reason. It was terrifying. Getting the spooks in. Yeah, I mean, I guess last week's episode was more spooky than this one. But, I, I mean, I don't know. There's some ghosts. There is a game that has ghosts in the title that we will be talking about. Uh, hello, welcome to the Season Anime Checkup OVA episode number 13. Lucky or unlucky, that's to be decided i'm jared and joined as always by and ladium hello and today we're going to talk about a console that okay well it's very seldom seen it's (laughs) it's like a ghost in some ways we're going to talk about the nes classic which somehow both of us have one of these very rare scene consoles (laughs) Well, no, mine was not a somehow. Mine was my mom is freaking amazing and decided that this was going to be a birthday present for me and had some help from a- an amazing previous coworker and obtaining one for me. And I almost cried a little bit when I when I was <laughs> told about this. So it's pretty cool. And then I just got it from Best Buy because I saw it was online and, it's like, and it wasn't one of those where it's like, hey, the NES Classic is available right now. And then like you click on it, and it's already sold out. It's like, oh. Five minutes later, it's still up there, thankfully. And yeah, I bought it. It's still kind of crazy hard to get nowadays. I think uh, it was on Amazon, I think, last week or something like that. And even then, it was gone in like a couple minutes or so. So it's still this real (laughs) crazy to find item that Nintendo probably should have figured, hey, a lot of people are going to want to buy this thing. Which I I don't know what they were thinking when... They decided to have a kind of shortage of of stock. I don't know. Maybe they didn't think that people would want it as much as they do. Um, like, I, I realized that it's when it was released, it was because it was like a <clears throat> 30th anniversary type deal. Yeah. But um, since it was emulation and it was sort of limited to the, the 30 games that are built in, I think maybe potentially they just didn't expect the demand to be there quite as much but also nintendo is notoriously very conservative about stock very true and and there was a quote i think from reggie as well that said like you know people that have a wii or a 3ds or a wii u they've probably already bought most of these games why would they want to buy this thing and it's like i kind of understand where he's coming from from that but at the same time like yo dog people are still gonna want to buy this thing because it's a tiny nes and you know, it's just like a one-stop shop to play a bunch of NES games. And it's actually pretty cool. I mean, um, the the interface for it's really cool. The system itself is tiny, and it's amazing. Um, I remember when I first got mine in, I took a picture with my hand next to it to show you. And I was like, just to clarify, I don't have man hands. but You have like, tiny hands. <laughs> I have tiny, tiny hands, and look how small this is. It's ridiculous. And it came with, like, a rad poster from, like, 
it, it was straight out of the 80s. I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, I have When I get an office eventually, fingers crossed, <laughs> that thing is going up there. I guess, I, I mean, I never had an NES. Like, my first console was the Super Nintendo, and, like, I had a cousin who had an NES, but, like, we rarely ever played it because we would be playing Super Nintendo stuff. Was the NES controller always this kind of bad? Bad in what sense? Like, it's not fun to hold after a couple of hours. It is not. The box is not very comfortable in terms of your hands. Yeah, it's always been like that. And NES was my first console, actually. Uh, I still have an NES, an original NES, and it is not this small, and it is super heavy. Yeah. Uh, but I have that back, back at my parents' house. And yeah, I noticed that recently when I was playing it, it was several years ago, but I went back and hooked up the NES and, um, wow, the, the box controller is really, really not, not very comfortable. I, I appreciate the SNES going, uh, rounded. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a big help. Also, like, the, the I mean, this has been well documented, obviously, in the, the months since release, but like that cord length on that controller is atrocious. Yeah, my mom actually bought me um, one of the cord extenders, which is like fantastic idea. And whoever the first people that were like, "We we need to make this," were like, "Good job, you made a bunch of money." Yeah, she she bought me a cord extender and also a wireless controller for it. So That's while the wireless kind of like breaks you out of it a little bit yeah. it's still real real nice to have when you just kind of want to sit on a couch and play legend of zelda so <laughs> and also like that thing uh has the same uh controller hookup as like the classic controller for like the wii and the wii u and all that sort of stuff and yep. so like if you if you don't want to use the the classic nes controller you can totally just use one of those and if you we'll get to it a little bit later but some other games that you might want to play on that thing like you will definitely need more buttons for it so that would definitely be a big help too yeah um but one thing that's really nice in my opinion <clears throat> i know reggie was saying that you know everybody would have a lot of these games which is true i do have a lot of these games already right um, on multiple platforms cuz that's just who i am i have a problem guys <laughs> but um you know, in the sense of hooking it up to your TV. Simple. It's so much easier than if I'm trying to go and hook up the old NES because oh, yeah. that's just a disaster now. It's so hard and it looks terrible. It looks like garbage on like an HGTV. <laughs> like if you want to get that, get like old consoles at all to even like hook up with a with an HDTV or like any sort of modern TV, you need to like, you need to go spend $400 on a Framemeister so you can get like that pixel perfect quality to the the picture quality of those old consoles or else it's just going to look like garbage this at least you know it's hdmi and the games look good it's it's, it's a little strange though because you know you're going to get burn in on a lot of those games if you play them for a long time and like they do have some settings so like you can stretch out 16 by 9 or 4 by 3 or you can make it pixel perfect which that's cool yeah i mean it's, it's in my opinion that's something that's fantastic because I like being able to go play old games. I, I'm a video game historian, kind of my thing, which I know we've talked about this. We haven't talked about it on the show, but one of my irritations is Atari and trying to figure out how in the heck to play an Atari on a TV as opposed to just emulation because um, while I'm technically not 
supposed to emulate. Sometimes it's the easiest way to access games that I write about. Um, yep. And I, I do have a ton of Atari cartridges, and mostly for the box art because when you're writing about video games, it's actually really nice to know what kind of box art it had, surprisingly enough. And so I do have a lot of them, but this is also great because you just have everything like on this carousel when you go in there and it shows you like what the box art was. I'm like, heck yeah. And it's easy to play. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like even hooking up like an Atari and all that stuff is just, it's a nightmare. insane. Yeah. It's a nightmare. That That's the correct word for it. <laughs> it, it is the 13th. It, it is the terrible part. <sighs> you were looking for something spooky. I'm very spooked but- now. <laughs> You should be spooked by trying to hook up old systems. Oh, it's so bad. It's like you you basically need to keep like an old CRT TV around just to even want to hook up like old stuff to even make it look halfway decent. And even that's like a logistical nightmare just because of how heavy those things are. And Yeah. Who wants to keep an old CRT around, really? Right, right. Um, we we have one at my, my family's house and it's legit for old consoles and for VHS about the only thing you would need it for right also clearly i am very much stuck in like the late 80s early 90s <laughs> i would say definitely like another thing that's really good about this thing is that each game has its own like i think th- five three or five individual save states that you can yeah. have so i mean obviously like games like zelda had had battery backups for you know the cartridge and all stuff even though that was very rare for like nes games but just having save states for all those games is just two thumbs up. Because, you know, for some of those, you kind of need save states to get through them nowadays. Yeah. So that's definitely a good thing. And I think as well, like, they have, like, a... They don't have all the manuals on there or anything. Like, it doesn't come with them. But it's like, go to this website for all the manuals. So that's kind of... That's kind of lame. But, I mean, that's just... That's games in general nowadays. Because, God forbid, you include a manual with your video game. Right. Man, I I lament the death of the manual. And especially because, like, for a bunch of these games, like, you kind of need the manual for some stuff. I, I had to kind of explain to you the story of Zelda 2. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> all of it's in the manual, and you're just kind of thrown in, like, uh, what do I do? And I guess if I, you do wait long enough on the title screen, there's, there's like, a... It scrolls up, like, a, a paragraph of text. It's like... Here's what happened. Okay, ba- here's the title screen again later. It's like, okay, thanks. I'm really I'm really invested in this story. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I sent you like a bunch of pictures from the Arts and Artifacts book and explained to you like what the story was. So that that is kind of a bummer and that you miss some of that that crucial element of, of the game itself. But I mean, it's also like a micro console, so. And it's sixty dollars, so. Right. I mean, I would have been cool with like a a booklet full of like all the manuals and artwork and all that sort of stuff. It's like, I don't know, make this thing eighty dollars. I'll take that. Yeah, um, but there was the wasn't there a book that also like was published at the same time? Yeah, there was. So that was probably what they were going for. Um, sure. So I don't know if they, that thing sold out as well. So who knows if you'd be able to find it. <laughs> Playing with power. 
That's not even a good name. I mean, I'm terrible at naming things. Wasn't up. wasn't like the the Nintendo tagline back then? You know, you're playing with power. It was, but so still okay. It's that is still kind of lame that you're 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 naming a book after a f- marketing line. <laughs> uh, let's see. A fascinating retrospect on 17, 17, there's more than that. Uh, NES classics, including complete walkthroughs. A journey through three eras of NES history. Commentary at history from Nintendo Visionaries. Inside look at the system and game packs. Priceless excerpts from Nintendo Power Magazine back issues. Plus maps, character arts, and extras. I mean, I guess that Nintendo Power stuff would be handy since, you know, Nintendo DMCA'd archive.org and made them take down all the Nintendo Power issues. Yeah, that was lame. Yep. Yep. Oh, and there's a paperback for 15 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah, um, I should probably get that at some point. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about games during this because there are 30 video games. You want to talk about video games? What are you talking about? I know. This is an internet right. podcast. We don't talk about video games. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many? Let me see here for a second. What did we for? So, there's 22 that are across both uh, US PAL and Japan, or in the Japanese version, the Famicom Mini. And then there are eight exclusive ones for North America and PAL, and then eight different exclusive ones for the Japanese Famicom. Well, let's go. We'll go through the, the, the common ones first, and then we'll go through the other ones because it's in a list for us and that's how we're going to do it. Go through <laughs> the list. The list. The list. Balloon Fight. I haven't really played much Balloon Fight, let me be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've played it and I understand like why it was good when it came out, but it's not a game that I was like itching to get back into right. when when this came out. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's Balloon Fight. That was a that was one of Iwata's first games, wasn't it? Uh, was it? I think so. I always thought the the box art like character designs are really funny. Yeah, like I, that's a game that like I can I can understand being on this thing because like I can associate that with the NES. Yep, there you go, Iwata. Because I, I think they uh, he was on uh, Game Center CX and he played it on there, so. I think that's the only reason I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, the gameplay itself is pretty much borrowed from another game that I'm terrible at. I, I will be straight up. I'm garbage at both Balloon Fight and Joust. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's probably another reason why I don't go back to them is just because I'm atrocious <laughs> at them. <laughs> But, I mean, again, I understand, like, why it's important, why it's there. And, like you said, you associate it with Nintendo. And some of these are just, like, straight up, like, arcade ports of, or home console ports of arcade games that are on here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the 80s. A lot of these games were designed, you know, their arcade counterparts just, like, to to steal quarters from you. So, they're going to be kind of weird and difficult. Uh, Castlevania, the first one. Yeah. Konami. <laughs> not not quite sure who they are. <laughs> Castlevania One's a good game. It is a good game. Definitely belongs on this list. And you know it, it it's significant because it launched a huge huge franchise. Yep. That um unfortunately has 
been neglected. What are you talking about? I was getting that cool new Netflix animated series. <sighs> <laughs> Game wise, yeah, you're completely right. I mean, like the uh, ones on the DS were good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the last couple of ones, like the last game, Lords of Shadow 2, was not well received at all. Mm. Which that was more of like a God of War style character action game. So, right. Yeah. I think like the last like pure retro Castlevania game was was like the last Game Boy game they did, and then everything afterwards was like in the Metroidvania style or like something weird like Castlevania sixty four. <laughs> the character action style games. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> I mean you should you should laugh at all instances of Castlevania sixty four. Let's be real. It's true. Oh god. Okay. Um. So Castlevania, yeah. It the first one is really really good, and mm. I was glad that it was on here. Donkey Kong. It's Which... weird that this list has nineteen eighty six as the original year of release. It says this is the release year of the home console board of the arcade game. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm like, er, nope. But yes, okay. That but makes then sense. it has like Mario Bros. is 83, and was NES wasn't out in 83, was it? No. So that that makes no sense. <laughs> it came out in 85 in Japan, 86 in America. That's what I thought. So I don't know why that's 83 on here. Donkey Kong Jr.'s is 82, but that's a different list. Who knows? This list Get your <laughs> junk together, Wikipedia. Donkey Kong, obviously, obviously, is just a port of the arcade version, I mean, but, yeah, makes sense. I actually, I don't have much experience with, like, the, like, arcade version of Donkey Kong. The most, like, experience I have with that series, or, like, that version of that series on DKC or anything like that, is the Game Boy port of Donkey really? Kong. Yeah. Which was like super weird and like expanded like into like a bunch more levels and Mario had like way more control. Ugh. So you could do like jump flips and all that sort of stuff. It was a strange game, but it was like, it was real fun. I played Donkey Kong the original quite a bit. But then I also had experience sometimes infuriating when I was playing Donkey Kong sixty four because one of the ways to get to the final boss, uh, well, you have to do it to get to the final boss. You have to have, you have to beat two arcade games, and one of them is Donkey Kong. Huh. Yep. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it was it was neat, um, but it was also, like I said, infuriating because I, I'm not really good at Donkey Kong once you get through certain <laughs> levels. Was you having to play that arcade game part of the Untold Kong War that is uh, part of the Donkey Kong 64 story? <laughs> so the Donkey Kong wiki is like one of my favorite things in the entire universe. <laughs> like you could go on the Donkey Kong Wikipedia, like or not Wikipedia, but the Donkey Kong wiki and just see all these random characters from like all the animated shows and like these these characters that are alluded to. It's the most bizarre thing you can spend hours on the Donkey Kong wiki and I am sort of embarrassed to admit that that is a thing that I have done <laughs> learn about the Kong war yeah yeah double dragon 2 as Jack referenced in game. as referenced in Danganronpa 3 the animation uh the clearly inferior version of of, of double dragon 2 unfortunately because 
look, let's be let's be a hundred percent completely real. The realest we will ever be on this podcast. The arcade version of Double Dragon Two is the realest fucking opening to a video game that has ever existed, past, present, and future. I agree. It's super intense. And then the NES version is just like it takes that opening intro and then just puts it into like a text box and you don't see any of it because obviously they're not going <laughs> to Nintendo is not going to let you see a f-ing woman get shot to death yeah. in 1989 so with like a machine gun yeah so it's not even just like one shot she's done like she gets ripped mm-hmm. it's intense it is it's very intense. intense I mean I guess if you like the NES versions of, of Double Dragon you'll like this I mean that new that new Double Dragon 4 that just recently came out is basically inspired by the NES versions of Double Dragon, which is very strange. Like, why would you be inspired by those versions? <laughs> I like the NES versions of Double Dragon. But, like, why would you model it after those instead of the arcade versions? Okay, that's a good question, but... Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I can see a Double Dragon game being on here. Yeah. Uh, well, and if there is going to be a Double Dragon game on there, make it two, not one. Yeah. So I'm glad that they picked that. Good old Dr. Mario. I still don't believe he has a medical license. <laughs> He's just throwing pills at things. He's like, he is. <laughs> He's the worst doctor ever. And there's like the weird gremlin, um, like infections. The viruses. The viruses. There you go. They're, they're terrifying. Um, my mom played this game a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm pretty garbage at Dr. Mario. Listen, I'm not going to not gonna joke around. Which, I mean, Dr. Mario is just basically Puyo Puyo. Yeah. But with Mario. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a really fun game. Uh, it can. The problem, though, is that you can spend a lot of time playing Dr. Mario. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Excite bike. Um, which my phone autocorrects now. Um, when I try to say <laughs> that I'm excited about something, it says I'm excite bike. Which is fantastic. It, it it's pretty good. I really can't complain about the fact that it it, it says that. Um, it started out as a joke with myself and Christy. We we were saying we were excite bike, and then um, my phone just picked it up and it's like that's what she means to say now. Yep. Uh, and I mean, I played a lot of excite bike when I was a kid. Yeah, I played a fine. Lot. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I think that's a common theme throughout <laughs> is that these games are hard. Yep. Uh, you go back and try and play them. You're like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. How did I even get through the first level of this? <laughs> I think for me, like the one thing that's a bummer about having just regular vanilla Excite Bike in this version or in this little console is that they released i think last year on the wii U virtual console like the excite bike editor that was like the jet that was like japanese only and that was like you could like make your own tracks and save them and all that sort of stuff wow so that's that's kind of i mean that's just like a very specific kind of bummer but even still but i mean excite bike by excite bike by itself <laughs> say that five times fast it's perfectly fine <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a fun game. It's a good game. Um, again, this is 1984. It wasn't even out then, so I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, some of these dates are... Was there an arcade version of Excite Bike? I don't know. I'm going to click through and see. And then keep talking while I uh, say this. Let's see. Platforms, NES, PC8801, X1, arcade. So I guess there was an arcade version. Okay, and it's saying Famicom. So 1984. Yeah, okay. Oh, man. 
They should have put out this Atelaview version of Excite Bike. Because look, because God, this name is so good. Excite Bike Bun Bun Mario Battle Stadium. I'm glad you think that's a good name. That's a good name. And also, oh. they replace all like the racers with like Mario characters, <laughs> which is kind of cool. The next game on this list is another game that uh, Chiaki likes. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. Good old Galaga, which I find it kind of strange. Galaga's in here. <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, I'm not. I'm not surprised by it. I, I mean, it, I guess for me, like, I associate it more with like the arcade, arcade. version and not Most like the Nintendo version. Most people do associate it more with with the arcade than the console, but I can understand why they would pick to do the console. It was a really big deal for them to have that port, so right. I, I think it's more just, I don't want to say politics of video games, because that sounds really pretentious, <laughs> but I am going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, that's kind of right. Yeah. And then up next, we have Ghosts and Goblins, which... There's another one of those. Here's a very, very hard game that you're not going to be able to beat probably anytime soon. It's so hard. Why are you so hard? Isn't like the the real messed up thing about Ghosts and Goblins is that you have to beat the game and then you have to go back through and beat the game again just to get the the actual true ending? God, I never even beat the game once, so I wouldn't (laughs) even know. I think that's how that game goes, which is super messed up. Given how impossible it is, that would be really, really messed up. Capcom just did not mess around in the 80s, let's be real. No, they really didn't. They were like, you know what, time to make everything impossible. God. Capcom, you jerks. (laughs) I mean, that still stands. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Gradius. That one was like a bullet, right? Or am I thinking about something different? I... Bullet. It's not necessarily bullet. I would say it's more just like your typical side-scrolling shooter. Oh, okay. Well, it was like early style bullet, it, as bullet as they could possibly yeah. get on the NES. <laughs> it's the same kind of like genre style. Yeah, it's just like you know, not as insane as some like later bullet games would get. No, no, they can get insane. It's good, good genre though. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's a perfectly fine game on here. And then, and then Ice Climber, everyone's favorite. <laughs> oh, man. um, That one was cool because it was two-player. Yeah, that's true. I didn't actually play it when it was originally out. I, I didn't play it until after they were in Smash. Oh, right. Yeah, that was when I was introduced to Ice Climber. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Which, sadly, everyone now associates them with just Smash, not their own game. Right. Right, right. Like Ice Climber characters are no longer—I I can't even remember their names—but um, they're no longer just Ice Climber. They are Smash and then Ice Climber. It's—it's it's, oh hey, it's those Ice Climbers from Smash Brothers. <sighs> <laughs> but Dang kids! Started playing Ice Climber was uh, was after they were in Smash. Kirby's Adventure is a weird one, especially because like <laughs> this game came out in '93, which is after the any uh, the SNES. Yeah. Yeah. And that game uh, is just weird in general. Why do you say that? I don't know. Like, it, I, I guess it's because, like, it's a later NES game and just, like, the way, like, the design of it is and how it plays is just strange. Like, not that it's a bad thing. It's just, like, it's 
it's weird to me, I guess. Like, I've never... I mean, for me, like, I've never, like, dived into, like, any of the Kirby games, per se. So... Oh, Yeah. Huh. So, just, like, me just picking this up and playing, I was like, this is weird, but, like, a good and cool weird. It reminds me more, um, as strange as this is, it reminds me more of, like, Super Mario Brothers 2. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just, like, prettier. Um, but the kind of, like, style of gameplay and, like, the look of it, the aesthetics, if you will. Right. I guess, like, so, for me, like, I'm just kind of confused why this came out on the NES and not, like, the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, you would think that Super Nintendo would have been a nice home for that. But, um, I mean, it was it was a good introduction. Because the first Kirby game was the, like, the Game Boy one, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. Which is good old Kirby and like having just like this weird, weird introduction into into video games. Like, oh, I'm gonna make my debut on the Game Boy. Yeah, Kirby's Dreamland was '92 on the the Game Boy, which I didn't have that one, so I, I didn't know Kirby at that time. Right. What do we I got? Don't know, I... Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's it, it was an interesting game. It was just really different like you said it, it it it's not like a lot of the other games on this list that's for sure but i think as well like if you're releasing a game that late into like the cycle of the of the console like be more ambitious and just crazy with like your development like i think they totally kind of pulled that off yeah no i i totally agree with you they they kind of knocked out of the park in terms of like pushing it to its limits mario bros dot <laughs> dot I, I I've I've played like original Mario Brothers like here and there a few times I'm not a big fan of that game no I I will agree with you on that um but this was like the arcade version yeah um, yeah so I mean it was it was really early it was when video games were kind of I don't want to say inferior, but they weren't as technically advanced. Um, so, it, but it was also like your first introduction to like Mario in general. But well, would that be true? Would he have been in Donkey Kong before that? You're right. He was in Donkey Kong before that. But but I don't think they they were calling him Mario then. They weren't. They were calling him like Jumpman. Yeah. So this is his like first foray into his single life away from the Donkey Kong <laughs> single life. <laughs> his single life with Luigi. Yeah. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I'm not liking where this is going. <laughs> this this ends in that that terrible '90s movie. So I mean, like for what it was, it was okay. It's not a very fun game to go back to, unfortunately. Right. Uh, it was also two player too, wasn't it? I believe. I believe so. Maybe uh, maybe the console version wasn't. Oh, I don't maybe know. Not. I don't. I don't know. I would have to boot it up and look, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no. Here's a game that I think is kind of synonymous with this console as well, and just quite frankly, one of the best games ever made. Yep. Mega Man Two. Mega Man. Which is also a very hard game, but it's doable. I mean, yeah. I, I for some people they'll be like, yeah, it's it's a very easy Mega Man game, but for us plebs who don't necessarily play Mega Man games all that often. <laughs> it can be kind of difficult. It it's tough, but um it's it's really fun. It's yeah. a really good game. 
I beat that game finally when it came out when the 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 Mega Man Legacy Collection came out uh, a couple years back on like uh, uh like PS4, Xbox One, all that stuff. So that was that was a fun achievement to to do. Beat that game finally. Nice. That game is just good. And yeah, obviously, no, like one of the probably like your top choice on here, maybe like this or three would have been like you could do a coin flip for either one of those to be on here. You're not gonna put Mega Man One on here. Let's be real. You will not. Um. And also, um, just as a side note for anybody listening right now, which I hope you are, Mega Man on the NES, Mega Man 1 and 2 have some of the most ridiculous box art. And I want you to just go mm-hmm. Google it real quick because it's so dumb. Oh, so good. I love it. <laughs> what was the... Was it... Was it Street Fighter Cross Tekken that put Mega Man in the game. No, it wouldn't be Street Fighter. No, yeah, but maybe it was. They put Mega Man in that game, like in like the PS like one of the version the console versions of it. But it was like the it, like the NES box art version of Mega Man. Oh, I remember that. Which is Yeah, it's like man. the like chubby looking yeah. Mega Man. Oh my god. That <laughs> That was such a good callback. I loved it. Street Fighter Cross Tekken might not have been like the best fighting game, but man, that's a real good goof. <laughs> that's a, that's real good. Huh. Uh, this next this next game is from a series that people will continually hound Nintendo to make another game out of. Yep. Metroid. Metroid. I haven't played a lot of original Metroid. I have it. I had it on like a 3DS. I didn't get to play much of it though, because that's just how I am. But <laughs> that game's cool. Yeah, I mean, this one's a respectable Metroid. Um, Super Nintendo Metroid's actually my favorite. Uh, I So this one uh, has... You've probably heard of this. The weird... Um, like, if you beat it in a certain amount of time, you end up getting Samus, like, in a bikini. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Samus is a girl? What? What? Which, I mean, we could talk all day about, like, how that's somewhat sexist and gross. Yep. And that they kept they kept doing it over and over and over and over and over for all these Metroid games. It's like, oh, by the way, let's just keep putting her in these skimpy clothes. And it's like, can we not? Can we? Can we not do that? Maybe, guys. Um, but that was uh one of the the big Easter eggs of Metroid was was that she was a girl and you could get her in her. Her skibbies, her like 1980s super <laughs> high bikini bottoms. Maybe that's why Nintendo just shelled as shelf Metroid for so long. It's like, all right, enough with the enough with like the bikinis, the skin tight outfits. Enough, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're embarrassed. Even though they'll still put that in Smash. They will, yeah. Good game though. Uh, hard games continue on here. Ninja Gaiden. Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. I never beat this one. I bought this on a Wii Virtual Console when it like originally came out. I was just like, holy cow, this game's very hard. <laughs> yeah, Ninja Gaiden. Um, again, got a resurgence somewhat recently. It was, what, 10 years ago now or something? Was that like uh, the original Xbox version from Team Ninja? Yeah. Which... Uh- Man, if you ever like get the chance and go back and watch like some of those cutscenes from that game, 
It's weird. <laughs> I played that one, but um, Ninja Gaiden just always had like a. It had a reputation for being super difficult, and it is from this game. Like, mm-hmm. holy crap, this game is so hard. But, like, one of the cool things this game does is, like, the cinematic storytelling it does, which, like, was kind of unheard of at the time in video games, especially console video games. Right. Just, like, the way they were able to do cutscenes in an 8-bit game was insane, and, like, just the way they were able to, like... I guess, like, the cinematography of them, if you would want to say that, I guess. But, like, just, like, the way they would frame things and everything was just super cool and well done. And But you would have to play a very hard game to get to them. <laughs> yeah, so it did a lot of neat stuff. It's just impossible to get through it. We talked earlier with, like, about games that we more associate with, like, the arcade versions and stuff. But, like, did we really need to include Pac-Man on this thing? No. Um, Alright, there we go. <laughs> I, I disagree with it entirely that Pac-Man's on here. Um, it's not first... like a bad version. I mean, it's not the Atari 2600 version. It's just <laughs> it's just kind of there. Right. I mean, it doesn't... It's not like an NES huge game. Pac-Man had been done, like you said, on the 2600 poorly, by the way. <laughs> Very poorly. And it, it just didn't need to be here in my opinion um it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense you know what they should have put there instead of pac-man literally any other nes game <laughs> wow okay um i was gonna go a burger time okay yeah um because it still get like the arcadey feel because obviously it was an arcade game but um i associate burger time more with nes than i do with the arcade whereas pac-man is the exact opposite yeah Pac-Man for me is arcade version and that real bad 2600 version. Yep, which I own, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess speaking of games that maybe could have gotten replaced, Super C over Contra? Really? <laughs> this seems like a real baffling decision. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was some weird licensing issue or something, or like the. They couldn't get Contra running. That's not true, because you can totally get Contra running on this thing. Let's, I can yeah, attest to that. Totally it's, that's, that's, a, that's a real weird decision. My phone's ringing. I'm going to mute that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll get picked up on my mic or not. Uh, but yeah, just like, I don't know. Super C. I. Yeah, Contra would have been a much better pick, but uh, I don't know why. Konami had to come in and be like, all right, Konami, you brought in some good games. I mean, you brought in Castlevania, Gradius, Super Super C. Konami just couldn't, couldn't just come into a project and not have like a baffling decision in there. Yeah, that's fitting for them. Super Mario Brothers. I mean, I don't really associate that game with the NES, so I'm kind of confused why it's here. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a bad, bad system if it wasn't here. Yeah. I mean, I know some people are kind of bummed that, like, Duck Hunt isn't on here, but, like, obviously you're not going to be able to play Duck Hunt on this thing. Because, A, they're not going to release a new Zapper. And, B, light guns don't really work on HGTVs. 
No. <sighs> I mean, I'm I'm not offended that Duck Hunt is not on here because man's th- dog. <laughs> Mock my existence. Good old dog. Ah, oh, man. That dog is the rudest thing in entire existence. It's terrible. Um, I like that game. I played it a lot as a kid, but I played Super Mario a lot more. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think obviously everyone kind of did. The flagship game of the, I would say, of the console. Right. And I mean, it is essentially become like the flagship of Nintendo. Like, mm-hmm. Mario became such an icon because of this game. It wasn't Donkey Kong that did it. It wasn't Mario Brothers that did it. It was Super Mario Brothers that made Mario just the icon of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And you go, you kind of go back to that game, and like it's, it's strange, because like you kind of expect like a different kind of feel from Mario, and like that the physics in this game are not necessarily to where you'd want them, and at times it can get kind of difficult, to where like you're not, you you could try to be kind of like speeding through and like oh oh whoops, hard <laughs> stuff ahead. Um, but in term in general, in my opinion, I think it aged exceptionally well. Oh yeah, uh, totally. It does have some weird quirks, um, but it's something that I could absolutely go back to and play. And I'm like, yeah, this is still great. This is mm-hmm. amazing. Completely agree. Uh, and you can go online and find out all these like crazy things about Super Mario Brothers being communist propaganda, which is like the most amazing thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. Uh. That's real good. That's. <laughs> <laughs> and then Super Mario Bros. 2 came out and it changed the script on everything. And everyone's like, well, this is a strange sequel. Okay. Yeah. Turns out it's because it wasn't supposed to be a Mario game. Yep. Which, I mean, you can find a history of Super Mario Bros. 2 basically anywhere on the internet. So we're not going to go too far into it. I mean, obviously, it's just a reskin of Doki Doki Panic. The real Super Mario Bros. 2 came out in Japan, then eventually came out here in America on the All-Stars collection as the Lost Levels. Then you can play it that way, and then it's been basically... The the Japanese version has been ported to Virtual Console and all that sort of stuff if you want to play that version. Yep, but I appreciated this so much as a kid because you could play as Toadstool. Yeah. And I... I know it sounds like really cliche, but as a girl, I really wanted to play as a girl. And it was great that I could play as this princess and she was cute and she was pink and she could float. Which, I mean, you couldn't really do in a lot of games at that at that era. No, no, you couldn't. It was very, very rare at that time to have a playable girl. And I mean, at that time, you know, I, I was a little young for Metroid. Right. Um, and also... I was never good enough to know that Samus was a girl until much, much later. Mm-hmm. So, like, this was my first experience of, like, I get to play as a girl. It was great. It's also kind of strange considering, like, you know, this was a reskin of a different game that came out in Japan. And then they brought it over to America just because they thought the original Super Mario Bros. 2 would be too hard for American gamers. Yep. But at the same time, like, Super Mario Bros. 2 USA has kind of, like, influenced the series in ways that I don't think anyone would have expected at the time. No, I mean, a lot of the enemies from 2 have become staples. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of, like, the, the character quirks, like Luigi jumping higher 
um, which I think that was actually in Super Mario Brothers 2, the Japanese version, but also mm-hmm. like Toad, like anytime he's in the game, is like, oh, he picks up stuff faster. Princess yeah. Peach has her floaty jump. Float. And that's kind of, that's parlayed into like all the other games. Yep. So it's, it's, it's so weird that this like, this essentially ROM hack of a different game <laughs> that they made into a Mario game influenced the series in ways that it, it never should have. Right. No, I totally agree. But it's also really neat that that it did have such a lasting impact. It's a really fun game to play. Right. And and then Super Mario Brothers 3 came out and basically was like everyone's like, "Oh, this is kind of like the first game again." Huh. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Except for it's all a theater. Yeah. Um, instead of a dream. Right. But it, I like this one for one it was one of the prettiest NES games, in my opinion. Like, it was gorgeous to look at. Um, which is kind of strange to say now, because you're like, it's a bunch of pixels, and it's still kind of blocky and weird looking. But to me, like, to see the jump from the first Super Mario Brothers to Mario 3, like, wow, that's huge. Right. Uh, and it, it was also... Uh, it has some pretty fascinating music as well. It was, it was good, good stuff, man. And it's like the ways they kind of evolved the, like jump, jumping in that game to where like there's a there's a P bar and like you can jump higher if you run fast enough and all that sort of stuff. And the Tanuki suit. Yeah. Tanuki Mario. So it's I don't cool. have like a lot of experience with this game. Like, <gasps> like honestly, like the only time I've ever played it is like, or like really tried to play it, it was like. I bought it off the virtual console on the Wii U and like I had a real hard time with it like trying to go back and play that game like I don't I don't know just because like just my inexperience with it or what but like there was a lot of times where I was just getting just like extremely frustrated with this game in ways that I was not expecting which was kind of a bummer I remember when I was doing my master's degree I had finished I can't remember if it was my language exam or my defense it was something like significant and I just went to my friend Allison's apartment and like did a speed run of Super Mario Brothers 3 in front of my friend Keegan and it was fantastic (laughs) Uh, like I I got through it in just like three hours it was disgusting (laughs) yeah but that's probably like with like warp whistles and stuff I would assume or did you just go through every single world um, I honestly don't remember, oh. uh, but I probably didn't use too many warps. See, like when I when I was playing through it, like I didn't, I don't know any of that stuff. Like I don't know where like where those stuff where like those warp whistles are at or anything. So like, yeah, I was going through world by world and like, like anytime I've looked at like how to play that game since then, everyone's just like, yo, get warp whistles. You don't want to go through each individual world and play that game like that. So maybe <laughs> like that's just like doing it like that just kind of soured the experience for me and. I I necessarily don't want to like put a lot of stock onto this, but <laughs> that game has a lot of hype into it if you haven't like gone and played it. Yeah. Like you know, constantly people can will compare that game to Super Mario World, which I think the world, no pun intended, of Super Mario World. <laughs> and like that's that was the first video game I ever played. It's still one of my favorite video games. One of the best games ever created in my opinion. No, I agree with you on that one. Super Mario world is fantastic. So like trying to go back to three and just like, I don't know. I, I, 
maybe I was just playing it wrong or something, but I just the time <laughs> with it, the time I had with it, just it it was a bummer because like I just I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Well, did you enjoy the next one on this list? I did. Yay! Another staple of the NES. It's too bad you don't get like a gold version of it when you when you're playing it. But uh, the Legend oh. of Zelda. <laughs> I had gold cartridges of both of these games. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, is great. Yeah. I mean, you look at it like these are before I was even born. Same. Yeah. <laughs> but I played them as a kid and we had the gold cartridges and they were they were phenomenal. But um you just recently played through Zelda One. I did. Uh, on this, obviously. And so I'm I'm glad that you finally got to experience the joys that that are Zelda One and Zelda Two. Um, I, I had originally like I bought these games I bought bo- actually I bought both these games when they came out on the, the original Wii Virtual Console. Oh, did you? Because I, I yeah, because I was like you know I'd heard a bunch about these games. I'd never played them obviously since I didn't have an NES at the time. So I wanted to go back and actually play them because I because like one of the first games I bought for my Wii was Twilight Princess. So I was kind of on a Zelda kick to begin with. Okay. And yeah. going back and playing Original Legend of Zelda without any kind of like prior knowledge of what that game is or like how to play it is like running up against a brick wall and just continually running up against it until you just kind of give up. Because a lot of the stuff in that game is kind of mysterious and secretive. And you kind of have to be like going out and exploring everything. Just to like figure out what the heck you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go. So for like <laughs> the few times I tried to, you know, tackle the original Legend of Zelda, like it just never clicked for me. Because like I just couldn't figure out what to do or where to go. So I was like, eh. I'll just give this up. And then the same thing for Zelda 2, which is kind of even more in that sense. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever got through, like, the first area of Zelda 2 before I was like, oh, wow. I, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be doing. I'm kind of done here. <laughs> but then, like, I decided, I decided like, you know, we, we just originally, we, we'd played Link to the Past earlier this year, and we'll, we'll talk about that and a bunch of other Zelda games at a later date. And... Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll give Legend of Zelda another try. And I was like, I'll, I'll put this up with a guide. Like that would be the easiest way for me to do this. I don't have, I don't have the time to like just go out and try and figure out every single little secret and everything. Like that's that's just impossible. Like I'm not a kid anymore. I don't have like all the time in the world to sit here and play video games as much as I'd want to. Like, you know, we got other responsibilities and stuff to do. So I figured like, hey, I'll just get a walkthrough and just play through like that. And even though, like, I kind of lost some, like, the exploration and roaming that I would have done, like, by myself, that the guy was just like, okay, here, you're going to th- go here and get this and then go over to this place and get that. Like, I still had a great time playing this game, despite, like, you know, being told, like, where to go and everything. Like, I mean, even, like, if someone's telling you where to go, you still have to kind of get there yourself. Right. And beat each individual section of the game. So it's not like just going through a walkthrough is going to like necessarily be like, okay, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about this game. You're going to beat it 100% of the time. Like, that's not necessarily accurate. Well, and it did originally come with a map too, so. Yeah, that's true as well. So, like, if you're kind of, if you're playing this game and don't have, like, all the, 
original NES material, you're kind of playing this game behind the eight ball, and it's like you're kind of at an extreme disadvantage compared to like yeah. someone who has all this other stuff. So, and Zelda two, in my opinion, is more difficult than Zelda one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think it's a better game. I mean, you remember when I was in Death Mountain and complaining to you about how hard Death Mountain was, and then when I was like at the the final stretch to get to the, the final dungeon, and I was just like, "I'm done. I can't. I cannot beat this game." <laughs> and then you were like, "No, you're like, no, you can do it. You can do it." So I was like, "I literally." You said that, and I was like, "All right, I'll give it one more go. I'll I'll put like a little safe state right before I go into this final stretch." And then somehow I got through it all. It was my encouragement. It was. Yay. Also, I, I don't think I told you this, but <laughs> uh -oh. I beat that final boss, like the the one before Dark Link. Yeah. And I had like a pixel of health left. <laughs> and then the walkthrough was like, yo, you want to cheese Dark Link? You just hit in the corner and just stab at him. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. And then I beat Dark Link that way and he didn't hit me. So I was like, oh. <laughs> That's amazing. It was a stressful last fight, though, because I was like, God, if I die, I'm going to be so disheartened and everything. But, like, I I would agree with you in both sense. Like, Zelda 2 is way harder than the original Legend of Zelda in various aspects. Like, I feel like Legend of Zelda is very balanced in the way it terms, like, the difficulty ramps up as you, as you progress from dungeon to dungeon to dungeon. Zelda 2 kind of has a lot of, like, that same difficulty spikes and... We're just going to throw random shit at you, bullshit yep. that a lot of NES games at the time had. But I'd also agree with you that I think I like Zelda 2 a lot more than Legend of Zelda. Just because of like the risks that game took and just like how different it is. And and obviously because like there's no other game in the series like it. No. Um, we talked about it this weekend. The closest you get to anything Zelda Two ever again is the Oracle series, which is a which is kind of a bummer in its own right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shame, but um, you know, it did a lot for the Zelda series, uh, even if people don't realize it. In terms of introducing like magic, and um, you know, it, it did try something different. It tried like leveling up, and it tried side scrolling, and it tried. Um, Having like a somewhat angry sixteen-year-old Link, <laughs> uh, but it it also has like one of the greatest game soundtrack pieces of all time. So it's it's strange how divisive that game is, though. Like in in today's contest, because like if you think back into like when that game originally came out, like no one would have expected. I guess like no one would there wasn't that bar that expectation that this game was going to be the same style as the first Zelda, right? Because games at the time obviously they kind of they would switch styles every now and then. Like I mean, Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Bros. Two. I mean it's a it's a weird example, but it's an example of you know a sequel being completely different. You know, like right. it's a technically not the same game, but I mean there wasn't that precedent that like oh all these Zelda games are going to be this overhead view and it's going to be like screen to screen to screen all that sort of stuff like. They had the, they had time to experiment and kind of figure out like what formula they wanted to use for these games. I mean, obviously, you know, with Link to the Past, they went back to that overhead view and that that style of formula for the 2D games was successful for successful for them. But I just don't, 
I don't know if it's just like the departure from the norm if for people going back and playing it or what, but like I guess like I don't know how the the mindset was at the time in like eighty seven when this game came out. If like it was as divisive as it is now, or if that's just something that's kind of grown as people have gone back to the game and have prior knowledge of other Zelda games and think that it should be, you know, this overhead view instead of like a 2D game. That's actually a really good question. I don't know the answer to that because um, I was such a munchkin when it came out. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, when I was playing them both as a kid, they were super rad, both of them. So it was kind of strange for me when I like went out into the world and realized, oh, people don't like Zelda too. Yeah. This is this is new. So um it's it's a good question. It may actually be a sense of, you know, a kind of a revisionist video game concept, you know? Yeah, that is true. I think also as well, like it's a cool thing to mention that these are both ports. Like the the American version specifically are ports of Famicom disc Famicom disc games, because Zelda and Zelda Two were originally part of the Famicom disc system, which was basically Nintendo being like, "Hey, we can get more we can get more memory and information now if we use floppy disks instead of cartridges." That's a cool idea, and it, yo, the Famicom disc system is a fucking cool idea. Yeah, and then they never brought it over to America because like. Because of piracy and, so, and there was a bunch of other kind of crazy shenanigans that kind of went down with like the way they they handled the Famicom disk system. But yeah, like these are ports of that. So like there's some weird differences between the two. Like I think well, because like the Famicom had the the second controller have a microphone. So I think you could you could kill one of the enemies in the original Legend of Zelda by shouting into the microphone. Yeah, the Dodongo, right? It was, uh, was it a Dodongo? No, that was the bomb. Sorry. Was no, but you're right. I remember which yeah. one it was. That it, it, you could shout at it. It's strange. It's too bad that I didn't get to shout at things as <laughs> to to defeat them. Your that would have been bad. Your parents would have hated you. They probably would have. <laughs> like she can't play video games ever again. And then Zelda Two obviously had like kind of the same thing. And both those games had both those games had battery backup saves, right? I know I Zelda One did, but I don't remember if Zelda Two necessarily did. I think it did. I would assume it had to. I feel like it would have because yeah. it was longer. Right. And if it was a Famicom disc game, like I'm pretty sure like most of those games had save systems. So that would make sense. But yeah, like and, and then obviously like the the benefit of having those games on floppy disks instead of cartridges, like the the sound quality was a lot better. So like those excuse me, those games uh, the soundtracks were better on the Famicom disc system. I think another example is uh, Castlevania 2 had a better had better soundtrack and sound quality compared to like the the cartridge version as well, but yeah, that's my rant about the Famicom Disk System and how it was really cool and very sad that Nintendo never brought it out over here. <laughs> Let's talk about some exclusive games that are on both versions of whether it be the NES Classic or the Famicom Mini Classic, whatever it's called over there. All right, I know some of them on the Japanese, and I know most of them on the Americans, so let's do this. <laughs> bubble bobble. Bubble bobble. <sighs> I don't have a whole lot to say about bubble bobble. I really don't either, honestly. I, I again, sort of associate it more with arcades. Yeah. And it had those weird little, like, dinosaur critter guys. 
Um, but I didn't like play it a whole lot and I haven't played it on the classic. Um, same. Whoops. Sorry. We're very well prepared uh, here. We are. <laughs> I, uh, oh, the sorry. next one, this list though, like we were, we were talking about this a little bit. It's a, a little bit of a strange choice. Yeah. Castlevania two Simon's quest. Like I think more people would have been okay with Castlevania three. Yeah. <laughs> over two, uh, but <laughs> Man, 2 is such a weird game. I mean, it has its obvious problems with, like, kind of a slow pacing and just, like, the the townspeople telling you insanity and somehow you're supposed to translate it. <laughs> but, like, here's another example of a game taking a weird turn in a sequel. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was weird. Weird game in general and a weird choice for this system, in my opinion. Actually, Donkey Kong Jr. is on here, too, and I feel like that's also a that, weird choice. That is a very weird choice as well, yeah. Um, like, I, can, I can understand Donkey Kong. Right. Like, Donkey Kong Jr.? Maybe they just want to show Mario being a bad guy. Maybe. Um, you know, I, I feel like Dragon Warrior should have been on here. Yeah, I, I would disagree with you. What? Because I've, because I tried to go back and play Dragon Warrior. That game has not aged well in the slightest. <laughs> I haven't played it since I was a kid. Oh man, that game is slow to start. Oh, then they could have put like Mickey Mouse Capade on there. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, they but could have put so, literally anything on here. Instead, we get Donkey Kong Jr. and Castlevania 2. Yeah. And uh, Bubble Bobble. I kind of would say Final Fantasy is a very strange choice as well. Like, I understand because, like, oh, it's the first Final Fantasy game. That game has not aged well in the slightest <laughs> either. <laughs> but Holy see, I, cow. I, I understand why it's here. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I do as well. But, like, oh, my God. Trying to go back and playing original <laughs> Final Fantasy is is atrocious. <laughs> Did you really have that hard of a time? It's so slow. Oh, man. It's just like... I understand from a cultural and historical context why you would put that game on here and why this game is important, but you should never go back and play Final Fantasy 1 in 2017. <laughs> wow. Those, Savage. It, it's, it's just like those mechanics have not aged well in the slightest. Like, it's just so... the the Doing a single battle is like... It's just monoton monotonously slow, and yeah. like, just like weird like like choices. Like, oh, if you have picked someone to attack and they're already dead, your turn just gets skipped. Yeah. And then like you can only buy like one of one item at a time or something kind of crazy like that. It's just like there's some strange choices, <laughs> but I understand why you would put it on here. Yeah, which is kind of a bummer because I was like, I was like, kind of excited to go back and play Final Fantasy One because I was like, okay, you know, I haven't never, I've never played Final Fantasy One, so like, I want to see kind of like what's up with it. <laughs> now I never want to play Final Fantasy One ever again. <laughs> Sorry, Sakaguchi. Yeah, he tried. I understand Kid Icarus, being, Kid Icarus being on here. I haven't yeah. played Kid Icarus. Let's be real. I have played it and I liked it okay. It's not like my favorite game and the the character design's a little strange. Um 
But it's fun, and I can understand why I would be on here, especially given the um, resurgence since Smash. Right, yeah. And there was that 3DS game, but I, I don't think that was necessarily the most well-received. It was not. So. But it's something I can associate with the NES, so I'm, I'm not necessarily displeased by that. Right, no, I agree. Uh, Neither does the train. Uh, Punch Out, which is uh, the the weird Mr. Dream version. So, but it's punch, it's mostly Punch Out, so that's all right. It's mostly Punch Out. Um, it's it's ninety percent of it's the same. Yeah. Um, and it it was fun. It's a fun game. Uh, it's hard. Punch Out is a good game. It's better when you can. Well, okay, I was gonna say when you can defeat Mike Tyson, but let's be honest, nobody's gonna do that because he's hard. <laughs> That's uh yeah. It's so Thunder. difficult. It's thundering but here. Is it? It's it's storming here. It's storming here now as well. Welcome to the podcast while under thunderstorms while we're all hooked <laughs> up into various electronic devices. Yay! One thing that I want to give a lot of credit to Punch Out on, uh, I just want to mention this real quick. Character designs in this were fantastic. That's true. Um, I know that some of it got edited for um american audiences like um the soda pop guy <laughs> soda popkinski yeah but the actual character designs and like all their names and the puns involved everything is fantastic it was so smart i loved it pretty good localization yeah i kind of feel like star tropics is a very inspired choice for this thing <laughs> but also kind of a cool choice because it's like not one of those games you would expect to be on here, I would say. No, I would not expect it. Um, but I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not upset by it at all. It's definitely one of those things. Like I've heard, Star Tropics is is pretty good, and like I never really had a chance to go play it. So like that's a that's a cool thing to have on here to go play it and see like what's up with that. Right, I agree with you. And then Tecmo Bowl, which I know, obviously, you are you are a huge fan of Tecmo Bowl. You love them sports games. Oh, man. Do I ever. Uh, Tecmo Bowl is obviously, you know, one of the the better NES sports games, like one of the, the better football games, especially on the console as well. It's a little strange because anytime they've released Tecmo Bowl since, you know, the original version, they've had to strip out all of, like, the NFL licenses and all that stuff. And all the uh, NFL Players Association licenses, so it's just like Oakland versus San Francisco, and like all you have is like numbers instead of like names or anything. But you pretty much can know like which teams which. So like you're you're gonna want to play as Oakland. You're gonna just do running plays and have Bo Jackson just run over everyone because he's like he has literally God mode in that game and he's the best player in that game. So that's all you're gonna do. But yeah, Tech Mobile is a is a fine choice for this thing. Fine choice. I mean, maybe you could have went with Tecmo Super Bowl. That's a probably a better version, but just having regular old Tecmo Bowl, A-OK in my book. Any I thoughts? <laughs> I got nothing. I figured as much. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's the eight games that are exclusive for the Famicom version, like Atlantis no Naso, which is, I Good guess... Luck. I'm going to take a nap. It is the Mystery of Atlantis. It's a side-scoring platform game from Sunsoft that never came out here. Wow. It actually, I'm looking at the screenshot. It does not look very good. It doesn't. Ooh. ooh. All right. 
Moving on from Atlantis. No, no. Uh, downtown Neketsu Koshin Kyoko Sodayuke Dayondokai. <laughs> which I think is one of the. It's. It's one of those. Like, it's, it's basically a version similar in style to River City Ransom. I don't know specifically what one of these this game is. Because, like, when you click on. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real when you click on wikipedia it's just like i uh, i don't know <laughs> buddy what do you want oh here we go uh let's see this is this is translated to downtown niketsu march let's go to the great athletic meet well that's a name so it's like a sports game i think essentially uh this this also came out on the pc engine as well which that makes sense uh final fantasy 3 I can tell you about that one. That's a game that came out on the on the Famicom. Didn't come out over here though. Yep. Final Fantasy. Nope, 3. it did not come out what, did, over here until the DS. Yeah, that's true. Or was it was it on any of the PlayStation discs or like little releases they did of all the older games? And, it was one and two, and then five and Chrono Trigger. It was four and Chrono uh, Trigger. I thought it was five. Nope, it was four. Okay, I, ha- four. I have that. So <laughs> okay, you're that. right. Um, cause five, um, Final Fantasy two, Final Fantasy three and Final Fantasy five were never released, uh, in the States until like somewhat recently, but three, I don't think got a release at all until the DS remake in the States. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, you're, you were correct. Uh, then it was like, it was, it was, uh, ported to mobile devices and the PSP, which I think is like as a PS one classic or something like that. Cause I have a. Because I have that with, like, Final Fantasy V. And okay. I don't? Let me see. Because Final Fantasy V is a PS1 classic on the PSN store, but I don't think... No? No, that game did come out on, on in America on the PlayStation. Did five, it? Five did. So three was the only oh, one that didn't. Yeah. What Did did five come out with something else? Uh... Final Fantasy, why are you so confusing? Final Fantasy V was ported by blah, blah blah to the PlayStation. It was included in the 1999 release of Final Fantasy Collection. What all was in that? <laughs> that might be a little too much scrolling for me to do, <laughs> but I'm going to try. Get out of the way, tactics. Get out of the way, spinoffs. I don't care. You remember how we were going through how many Final Fantasies existed? God, that is what was this? Final Fantasy Collection. Final Fantasy Collection. That's the Japanese version. That doesn't <laughs> even better. Doesn't tell me. Well, apparently it did come out in Japan in uh, with four, five, and six together as the just the Final Fantasy collection. It did come out in America somehow. <laughs> oh, uh, Final Fantasy Anthology is what it's called, and that that was five and six. Oh, okay. Okay, but three's good. Yeah, I mean three. Um, if you're gonna play it, I'd recommend the. DS version over this version. Right. Um, obviously, we can't play it. Well, you can um, if you really <laughs> would like to. Um, but the DS version's pretty solid. Um, and so the NES version is fine. Um, it's it's not bad, but again, in terms of like translation and like how the story like actually plays out everything just do yourself a favor and play the ds version and not this version (laughs) (laughs) 
Understandable. Yeah. Golf. Golf. Which on here is NES Open Tournament Golf, but I think that's... Was that just... Maybe this is a different. This is a different version of golf than golf. There, no, there's a there's an NES game that's just called golf. How many golf games did you need for the NES? A lot. Uh, so this golf regular golf was just kind of golf with like some no name characters. Uh, this just has Mario characters in it because it is also called Mario Open Golf in Japan. Oh, okay. That's a cool thing, I guess. Uh, Downtown Niketsu Monogatari is River City Ransom. Which did come out over here, so that's kind of a strange exclu- exclusivity deal. Solomon's Key. Man, that's some real good box art. Is it? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, my. Oh, God. Unlock Solomon's Secrets. Whoa, buddy. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to stay away from his secrets. <laughs> Don't want to. Don't want to get into there. Let's no. see here. Uh, Supari Ozumo, which is a sumo game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to be coming out over here. No. And then Yair Kung Fu, which I um, that I guess that didn't get ported over here. Well, this this Wikipedia article is like for the arcade version, and doesn't make any mention of the. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't make mention really much of the NES version. I don't think on this Wikipedia page, which is real strange. Nice. So thanks. Oh, I guess it, it did get ported to like the NES and all that stuff, but it doesn't say like, oh, it came out to this version or or came out to this region or anything. Good job, Wikipedia. You failed us. You did. And that's the Japanese Famicom exclusives for the Famicom Mini Classic Doohickey. So yeah, it's a wide variety of games. Some, as we said, were strange choices, per se. Some were just like, okay, yeah, obviously you're going to put that in there. Right, like if they released this and there was no Super Mario Brothers or no Legend of Zelda. You'd be like, what are you doing? Right. Do you th- it would be ultimate fail. Do you think they make another NES Classic? Or do you think they just go up like the, like for next or this year? Excuse me. If they if they do like another one of these, is it like the Super Nintendo Classic? Oh man. Um. I mean, while I would definitely purchase that in a heartbeat, um, I I kind of wish that there would be a way to just expand it like officially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Like, cause you can expand it. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a probably next but but um if there was an official way i would do that but um i really don't want to have to buy another mini console right although my heart is very much into the super nintendo so i kind of wonder as well though that like would they have even like enough goodwill to even announce and make another one with like the the way this thing has kind of been like so scarcely available and just like the ill will that people have had towards this thing considering like you couldn't buy it. And then like once the holidays were over, like you still couldn't buy it, which is still very strange and all that sort of stuff. So, um, or, I mean, or if anything, maybe they just like kind of like hold off another year and like, uh, 2018 SNES classic. 
Or maybe they just wait until, well, okay. So this is the 30th of the NES is when they released this one. Yeah. For, for the States anyway. So maybe if they did a 30th for the Super Nintendo. You're waiting until like 2021? I. <laughs> That's a long time. It is, but I'm saying that it may give enough time to like let some of the heat off. and yeah, People would have forgotten by then probably. Right. Um. And I'd still buy it, so... Yeah, it's true. What went? But as you did say, if you have one of these things and you don't necessarily want to wait around for like a Super Nintendo Classic or an NES Classic 2, you can pretty much take matters into your own hands. Because I think it didn't take long for this thing to get hacked. Because... The way this thing gets power is like it's a it's a USB plug into a into an outlet plug, and that's how you power the thing up. And you can just take that USB USB cord and plug that into your computer. And I'm not necessarily going to say the name of the program or how to get it or anything, but there is a program out there that you can get that will basically add games that you have either legally dumped yourself. Or I guess that's not even technically true. It'd be legal to do that. That you've dumped yourself or may have scoured the internet to get. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's an ethical ethical quandary for yourself if you want to go down that road. But there are ways to add more games to this thing, and you can add a lot of more games to this thing. I'm going to run down the, the list of games that I've added to this thing. Because my thing is at 69 games. Nice. Haha. <laughs> 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 So I have like the original 30, I think mostly, except I replaced uh, Punch-Out with the original version of Punch-Out. Uh, Batman. Nice. Blades of Steel, which is the Konami hockey game. Bomberman. Yeah. Uh, this is a Japanese-only release, but they, there's an English translation of it, and somehow it works on the saying. It is called Captain Tsubasa Volume 2 Super Striker. And I have I have to talk about this game. Because this game, this game is like an anime game, I would assume. It seems like it. And it's a soccer game. But the gameplay is basically Blitzball. Oh my god. And I have looked up to see, to see if there's any connection between this game and like and Square making Blitzball. And any time they've mentioned, like, where did you get the inspiration for Blitzball? It's been like, oh, the World Cup was in like Japan or Korea around the time of development of Final Fantasy X, so we thought we'd make a, 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 a version of that, essentially. But that has to be bullshit, because this game is literally Blitzball. Like, you control one player, and then, like, a bunch of, like, defenders will come up, and you have options to, like, pass, shoot, dribble past them. And, and like, you'll have, like, ratings of, like, oh, this is going to be... Will passing be this successful? Will dribbling by them be this successful? And then when you have to, when you're close to the goal and shoot, like some players have special skill shots. Oh my god! This game is literally Blitzball in 1984, five, six, seven, whenever this game came out. I don't know. the The, the date on here is not correct, but Square ripped this game off, <laughs> and they're not telling anyone they did. <laughs> Like, we we got to tell more people that Square literally ripped this game off. And I mean, I got you in your lies, Square. I mean, I'm not going to play much more of it probably because it's, it's Blitzball and I hate Blitzball with a passion. Hate 
but holy fucking shit, dude. You're going to have to edit. <laughs> I, I am, but like, <laughs> how has no one called out square on this? Uh, that's a good question. <sighs> yeah. Castlevania 3. Good. Ch-ch-ch-ch-bandale. Rescue Rangers. When there's danger. <laughs> you know, they never fail. I mean, obviously, uh, I think the Disney Capcom games are kind of like a slam dunk because, like, yo, those Disney Capcom games were real good. Oh, they're so good. For the NES. Clash at Demon Head, not to be confused with the band from Scott Pilgrim. Um, actually, totally to be confused with the band from yes. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, Contra, because... Good. Uh, duh. <laughs> Dragon Warrior and Dragon Warrior 2. Okay. DuckTales. Woo-hoo. I literally booted up DuckTales and went to Moon. I was like, Good. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is what I want. Yep. Uh, Earthbound Zero. Okay. A Japanese-only game called F1 Circus. Because <laughs> uh, it, it works on this thing. And it's just, uh, it's just a racing game. Okay. Uh, Family Stadium 89. Kaimaku Ban, which is just uh, the Japanese version of RBI Baseball. Fax Xanadu. <laughs> Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Okay. Fire Emblem Gaiden, which is the the NES game that they're, they're now remaking into a 3DS game that will be coming out later this year. Correct. Golf. Golf. <laughs> Golgo 13, The Moffat Conspiracy. Just because Google uh, Google th- Go thirteen is a is a spy dude, he shoots dudes, and then basically after that he goes and f- chicks. Oh my! And it was an anime. So it's an oh anime my! Game. Yeah. Life Force, which is another Konami side scroll shooter, very good one of those. So, Mega Man three doesn't have good box art though. I'm really disappointed in the fact that you have gone through the L's and Little Mermaid was not on that list. I know. I'm sorry. You know, I tried to download it. That ROM just was corrupted, man. <laughs> That's a lie. Don't lie to me. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Is Mickey Mousecapade on there? Nope. <gasps> I'm sorry. You've ruined my life. I know. I apologize. I apologize. Metal Gear, which is the, the the bad version of that game. <laughs> I've oh, did you put Burger Time on there? I haven't. I don't have a lot. I don't think I've ever played Burger Time, honestly. I used to love Burger Time. You don't have any of my like childhood games. There. The heck, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> How I've can actually, we ever talk again? That's, yeah, it's, it's very true. We're never anyway, gonna, can... we're never going to talk after this podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. This is the end. You didn't you didn't play any of the games I played as a kid. I've actually uh, beat Metal Gear, but it was like the the version I saw on Metal Gear Solid Three Subsistence. So I think mm-hmm. that I think that's based off of the uh, the Japanese computer that I'm completely blanking on, and not the NES version. That game is real weird. Punch Out, which said Pro Wrestling. You would. It's not a good game though. Literally, no wrestling games are really that good on the NES. Poyo Poyo. Okay. RBI Baseball. Ring King. It's a boxing game. Okay. River City Ransom. Okay. Shatterhand. What is that? 
Uh, let me show you. Uh, let me tell you about this box art. It's got a guy with some 80s looking sunglasses, and he's punching the box. He's punching out of the box, and his hand shattering. shattering. That's amazing. It is. Shattering. Super Mario Brothers 2. Japanese version. Okay, which, I was like, which this thing is real cool as well because it boots into like the Famicom disc boot system. Ah, it's real neat. Uh, Sweet Home, which is a have you heard of Sweet Home? No, it is a Capcom RPG that was made in in like around the same time. I think it was released day and date of like this Japanese horror film, and it's a it's a horror game. Huh. That was released on the on the Famicom. Uh, they never released it in the states because like it's got some excessive violence in it, which is surprising for like a Japanese game. Um, well, I mean, I guess at the time it was kind of understandable, but now it's more that the Japanese edit more violence, whereas we in the U.S. do not. And, and at the time, it was like you know the Nintendo of America was like trying to edit out most anything that had violence in it. To make these games yeah. more family friendly, so. Well, and anything that was like religious and mm -hmm. basically anything that could potentially be controversial, Correct. They, they get rid of it. Yeah, Tecmo NBA Basketball. Man, you got lots of these sports games. Tecmo Super Bowl. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: The Arcade Game. Yeah. I did not realize this game had an NES port of it, which is kind of strange. Uh, TMNT Tournament Fighters. Wait, on the NES? On the NES. I didn't realize that it was on the NES. Neither I, did I. I. Knew that it was like on Sega and Super Nintendo, but man, Tournament Fighters is so good. It's kind of rough on the NES. <laughs> Let's just say. Well, I mean, I imagine it is. But it's 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 a two D fighting game on the NES. It's kind of weird. Tennis. Tennis. Tetris. Okay. Like. Is Tetris on this thing? Why isn't Tetris on this? Because Tetris is more um, associated with a Game Boy. Uh, I would. I think NES Tetris is kind of one of the most famous Tetris games, though. The Nintendo it's... one, not the the Tecmo one. That's right, a, right. I wonder though as well if like because I think Ubisoft has the Tecmo light or the Tetris license right now, <laughs> and I wonder if like that's some weird thing because like. Because before, like, before, um, I know Puyo Puyo Tetris is coming out here pretty soon, and there was a lot of talk of, like, how that game wasn't going to get ported over to the States or anything just because of, like, licensing issues. Like, I think that was one of the reasons why I think, uh, you could only buy that game on disc in Japan on the PS4. You could not get it digitally because I think Ubisoft oh, wow. had, like, digital rights for Tetris games. It's super strange stuff. But anyways, Tetris. Huh. You should get Tetris on the thing. Wario's Woods. Which is, you know, it's real... This game is kind of crazy as well because it's the only game that I have box art that has a ESRB rating on it. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> That's how you can tell it's a late NES game. <laughs> and then Ease. Okay. And then that's all I got. But also, like, I mean, you could... For the most part, you can get most NES games on here. There are some strange exceptions because some games have like different mappers that aren't supported by the NES Classic. But with the workarounds there are now, like I mean, you could play Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Genesis, 
Game Boy Color, uh, Neo Geo games, arcade games, and they are now briefly experimenting with N64 games on your NES Classic by basically getting another program to load into this thing. And yeah, like then you can just load up ROMs that way as well. So you'd basically, you can basically make this thing into like a retro pie. And just like have it be like a ROM machine now, which is kind of insane. Yeah, I, I haven't done any of that, but it's insane that it can be done. Which I wonder, like the way Nintendo has been with you know piracy, and like you know the 3DS got hacked a lot. Uh, the Wii yeah. U, I think, it was kind of open in ways that it probably shouldn't have been if the ways that the NES Classic has kind of been hacked and the way, like, you could dump ROMs onto it, if that'll deter Nintendo from making another thing like this. Um, it's a really good possibility, honestly. Um, and, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, what they do with Super Nintendo, and they may not because of people hacking into it. Because there was, um, there was an article that I read, like, when people first hacked into it, of like something in the code like asking politely not to do it <laughs> which is like the most japanese thing in the world yeah um but i i did read that and i was like oh you know it's kind of sad that you know they're they you know there's no way around it people are going to hack a system because that's what they do especially um, as well with like you know having the thing be powered by usb like that's just right. that's just kind of asking for it it's like Maybe. Don't blame the victim, Jared. You're you're right. You're you're right on that. But I I, I would wonder if like if the uh, if the Super Nintendo version if it ever came out if like they would change like the the power out to be something other than USB to make it a little bit to make it at least harder to to not just literally plug it into your computer and dump ROMs into this thing. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a good question, and I honestly don't know the answer to it, but. I, I do think that it, it probably will be a deterrent for them. And it may be a deterrent on why they're not, um, like, upping availability as well. Yeah. There was that thing going around that, like, someplace in, like, the Netherlands or some... There's a European country that was saying, like, yeah, we got word that Nintendo's not sending us any more of these. Yeah. And then I never heard anything else after that, so I don't know if that was just complete BS or if that was, like just for that region or something but but yeah like it's like we said at the top of the show like these things are still very hard to find like they'll go into stock for a few minutes and then be out of stock i mean i mean back when it was when it was like first out and people were still trying to hunt for it like they had the problem of like scalpers like having programs and just like kind of sucking up all the all the inventory before anyone could even think of getting one or when when the page would go live but it's, it's still very strange that, like, you would think this thing doesn't cost a lot to produce. Because, like, I think, like, I've seen one opened up, and then, like, the board itself is pretty small. It's smaller than, like, the actual casing itself. So, like, for the most part, it's just a lot of, like, the casing and stuff. Like, so I don't think this thing would be uh, that much to manufacture. Right. But yet, we're st- there's still shortages everywhere. Right. Ah, <laughs> Good questions all around. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Though I guess like we were we were kind of talking about this before before we started recording that like you know games between from the 80s to now are 
vastly different in terms of just like how they are, how they're developed, the ways they how can, yeah, how they're played, how they convey information to the player as well. Like, isn't necessarily a bad thing that things have gotten more streamlined from the '80s to now? Like, did they have to? Did games have to kind of get this way with like the way more people have gotten into them? in terms of like just games being kind of everywhere now or are, are we as game players getting softer as the years go on? I think a lot of it is primarily the fact that um, just technology has improved so much since 85, 86 and the sense that I feel like it would be an injustice if we were making games a lot like this now like, I understand that there's some kind of appeal and, like, just throwing you into a game with no instruction. Right. I get that. Um, but essentially there has to be some form of a narrative at this point, whether it is, like... I mean, think of a game like Journey. Yeah. Not the band. Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't they have a video game, too? Anyway. That's a good question. It, if you think about um, the game Journey, there isn't a whole lot of information. You're just kind of thrown in there. Um, you are kind of allowed to explore, kind of solve puzzles. That's kind of a throwback of this style. Yeah, um, I, I would say that and like the, the Souls games as well, I think, are a prime example of doing secrets, mystery, and not conveying like necessarily overtly tutorials to the player like knocking you over your head with them in a way that invokes that style from the eighties, like the NES style and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. does it in a modern way that's smart and is basically for like a modern time. Right. That makes sense. Um, and I, I, again, I think that's kind of an important aspect of this is that, Games are not the same, period. Because I think if you were to release a game, a brand new game, um, for example, like if the new Breath of the Wild game was to come out, I don't know, Friday, and... Um, well, by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. <laughs> I know, shush. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if it came out and it was done in the exact same style as the original Zelda, just prettier, I don't think people would like it. There would be a certain sub subgroups, I think, that would be okay with that. But yeah, you would just have like a game that hasn't evolved in 30 years. Like where, Right. If I wanted a, retro, a, a new polished Zelda, like just make an HD version of the original game. Don't make like, say it's a new game, but it's the same thing. Right. And I think that's an important element is that there has to be some sort of innovation. Um, and there has obviously been a lot of innovation in 30 years, but there's still some elements of these types of games that have stuck by. Right. Um, you were talking about the souls games and I think that's a really good example of kind of like secrets and Easter eggs and that kind of thing. Um, even if there is also kind of the like trolley aspect of it, but um, there, or, you know, there's a game that I played recently, uh, Shantae, 
Right. That has a lot of the same kind of like, where are the secrets? Where are the bonus things? Like they're completely separate genie transformations that Shantae can turn into that you don't have to have to complete the game. Because even like trying to develop a game and have secrets in it, like nowadays, like with the internet, like all that stuff's going to be kind of out there within immediately the, within the first couple of days. That you know, even if maybe if if the game doesn't get data mined right then, like people will go in just like kind of like look at all the files and be like, oh, well, this is this, this is that, blah 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 blah. So like creating games nowadays to even have like secret stuff and not have it kind of be out there and spoiled in the first couple of days is an infinitely harder task than to do it. Like say in the eighties when obviously the internet wasn't a, that big of a thing at all. And like the only ways you could find out secrets was like through magazines was through word of mouth was through just trying and figuring stuff out. So like it's almost just like a different style. Yeah. And I mean, um, I'm trying to remember because I'm blanking at the minute. Um, adventure was the first hidden Easter egg in right. a in a game, and the reason why that existed is actually really depressing, <laughs> because Warren Robert was not given credit for developing the game. Right. Um. So that was his way of giving himself credit was to give himself an Easter egg, and so like that's really depressing. That that that's what he had to do to so people would know that this was his work. Um, we don't really have that issue anymore, which is a good thing. But you know, we talked about in the Final Fantasy VII episode that I didn't know for years that there was that Zach scene, right? And that was like ninety-seven. The internet was around. I I mean, I was young, but like the internet was around. It. Okay, you know what? I lived in Tennessee. I had dial-up. It was crap. <laughs> but like you could, you had access to that information if it I was did. out there, right? Um, and there have been some recent Easter eggs. Uh, I I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, every once in a while you read a, a new article. It's like, oh, this Easter egg's been found from this game, and there was like, oh, hey. there was the one thing in uh, Donkey Kong sixty four where they yeah. found like that coin that no one had knew had no idea that it was there. And, like, you know, it basically rendered a bunch of speedruns to be disqualified because, like, they didn't have this one item to be, like, 100% runs and everything. Like, that's a thing that had been in that game since the 90s, whenever that game came out, but no one knew about it until literally just recently, which is insane. Right. Um, like, there, you'll sometimes read, um, like, interviews with developers, and they're like, yeah, I'm still waiting for this one thing to, to be found out. And uh, it, It's so bizarre that, like, that's still the case, that some of these older games, people still haven't discovered everything that is to be discovered. But, you know, there is some kind of charm in that sense that these older games did have so much that could be hidden from right. you. Which I think is kind of like why the 8-bit and 16-bit style has kind of seen this like renaissance through independent games as well to where yeah. like, you know, half the indie games that come out nowadays have that pixel style or something like that to where, you know, it's kind of become oversaturated as the time's gone on because so many people have reinvoked it. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because like, you know, that style is so like... 
iconic. Yeah. And so many people know it. So many people love it. And they'll play games that are still in that style. But then, like, you oversaturate the market again with it. And then it kind of becomes less special as time goes on. Right. So, like, if you're if you if an indie indie game comes out in 2017 and it's a eight bit or sixteen bit style, it's, you kind of almost groan at it. You're like, ah, that's another one of those. Right. I'm I'm uh-huh. still waiting for like, I think uh, Nidhogg Two is kind of like one of the early games that's kind of invoking the style. But when are we getting like blocky polygons to come make a comeback? <laughs> No, I want I some PS one game, PS one looking games to be on the market here soon. No, <laughs> no. You know what I need? I need a remake of Final Fantasy Eight. Give me that. I mean, it's not seven, so obviously that's never gonna happen. I know people don't like eight enough. I'll take even like an HD like polish, like they did with Final Fantasy Nine. I'll take anything. Well, I mean, they did do the Steam port of it. I. I I just don't know like how much of work they did to that that version. Nah, it's 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 still pretty much the same. That's a bummer. <laughs> um, but I appreciate the sentiment anyway. But no, no, no to that terrible, terrible block. <laughs> Please, gods, keep that away from me. I don't know. Uh, like if we ha- uh, no, no, never mind. Just no, no. <laughs> Not going with that thought. No, I. Because I was thinking, like, well, if they did, like, another Donkey Kong 64. And then, like, no, I would prefer it's, it's it to be, like... It's called ukulele. Right. Um, it's called ukulele. I mean, and it looks fine in the style that it's in. Games have evolved as, you know, 30 years have gone by. 40 years, basically, Surprise. I should say. And styles are going to change. Development styles are going to change. The way we play games is going to change. I know people get real uppity about the way, you know, tutorials are kind of everywhere nowadays, especially for yeah. AAA games. And, like, they're very hand-holdy. But I think as well, like, people just don't seem... They kind of forget that AAA games are the ones that are the most marketed. So they're the ones that are seen by the most amount of people in terms of audience. And for someone out there, for probably mo- for multiple people out there, they're going to pick up this game and they're not necessarily game players that are out there like me and you are. Right. And, yo, you pick up a PlayStation 4 controller. There are 4, 8, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17 buttons that you can push on this thing, and then two analog sticks. Controllers are kind of convoluted nowadays. Let's just be real. It's not like in 1985 or 86 when you picked up an NES controller and it has two buttons start and select and a d-pad and it's that's pretty simple to get your hands on nowadays it's like i you casual players are not going to necessarily have that muscle memory or just have the same hand-eye coordination to know like oh triangle is the button that's on top i don't have to look down and then look back up and be like okay i gotta press that button now so that takes years of like practice to figure out like and even then I used to have so many issues because of, like, the difference in the Xbox controller and the PlayStation controller. Right. I, I would mess up buttons all the time. I'm like, dang it! So, I, I think for us, like, for people who play games a lot, like, it it does kind of get annoying sometimes when games are kind of, like, it seems like they're insulting your intelligence by the way they hit you over the head with a lot of tutorials. But at the same time, like, those are also the games that are going to see the most the most people 
in terms of playing them, and they kind of have to sp- spread out and know your audience. Know your audience and be able to to cater to everyone, like literally everyone. <laughs> Whether it's hey, you've been playing games since you came out of the womb, or this is the very first game you've ever played. So. Well, and one of the things that I find amusing in some sense is that a lot of the people that complain about like the handholding, the tutorials, and everything are the same people that are like, "Oh man, I, I forgot how to do this thing in this game," and then they just complain that the game's bad because they don't know how to play it. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe, just maybe, if you had paid attention to that tutorial that you about, you would have known. And I think as well as like you didn't have to necessarily tutorialize everything. For like the NES, kind of like you said, like we said, like that controller, it's pretty easy to figure out what's what. You don't have to sit and press ten other buttons to figure out which the jump button is. Yeah, it's kind of pretty self-explanatory. If you released a game that had literally was just like a was a game designed in the same ethos of an NES-style game, and it had no tutorialization or anything like that, like, and you put that on like a PS4 or something. And you use all of the buttons. Like, that's... That would be very bad. Yeah. In terms of not even just, like, the way, like, you're not going to tell anyone, like, what does what. But also just, like, that's just bad design because, yo, there's a lot of buttons on this thing. Let's be real. So, I mean, it's it's a matter of, like, games have evolved. Gamers have evolved. um, And the definition of, like, who plays games has changed yeah you know as somebody who studies this um a lot i guess that's a way to put it a lot um <laughs> you know you you consistently see a growing demographic of people who play video games starting from 62 until now um ex- especially in 85 86 and then again around like the 92 period Mm-hmm. Um, you get some more into like the 2000s, but honestly, my research doesn't go that far, so I can't tell you a whole does lot it, about does it. Does it kind of spike around the time of like of like a generation change? Um, because I mean, you you I, specifically mentioned 85, 86, and like 92, which obviously that was like the NES and the Super Nintendo and Genesis and all that stuff. But like, is that a correlation, or is it just like those things are just kind of like those are big enough, like moments in the history of video games that it's like oh of course these are gonna have like spikes here um i i don't want to outright say this because it's not entirely correct but um a new nintendo system with a new mario does a lot for expansions that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean honestly the same thing happened it wasn't with a mario game but the same thing happened with a wii and people yeah. were livid because, like, oh, all these grandmas are invading my gamer space. And it's like, really? Um, you know, it's it's a different audience, but the games are still, like, the same types of games. Like, uh, yeah, I, I had a heck of a time with Wii Sports. I don't give a crap. Wii Sports is uh, a fantastic game. Oh, it was so fun. And, like, I I'm not personally offended if somebody's 78 year old grandma wants to play Wii Sports as well like it doesn't hurt me by more people wanting to play games it doesn't change your experience right and you you consistently see this kind of narrative throughout gaming history um 
which this is starting to sound really pretentious, um, <laughs> but you, you get this narrative of pushback of, um, you know, who is allowed to play games, who's allowed in these spaces of gaming. And unfortunately, uh, you, you do get some of that pushback here, but the positive is that with the release of the in NES, you get a lot more of a democratization of video gaming. Um, you do get a lot more of straight-up children players. Um, arcades, you had more of like... Like, like an older demographic. A little bit, yeah. You you had more like 12 to 18-year-olds mm. as like the primary audience. Um, once you get the NES, you end up targeting a lot younger. And, um, you know, you end up having situations like my family where... I was playing when I was like an infant. Yeah. Um, my br- older brother, who's four years older than me, was playing, and my mom was playing, all on the same console. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom will still lament that she cannot get past World Eight in Mario. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to her and to us, like that's a really important thing. That was something that we used as like a, a method of like bonding. Right. And, um, you know, my brother actually thanked him in my master's thesis because I said, you know, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were the one who introduced me to this kind of thing. And it's your fault that I decided to do this as a living. Um, so, I get kind of ornery, I guess. I get grumpy as heck when I see people that are trying to like gatekeep gaming from other people, mm-hmm. um, depending on like demographics of age or gender or whatever. Obviously, I've had some weird issues with being a woman and playing video games, but that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> uh, but again, the NES was kind of like. I don't want to say like the very first step towards democratization of gaming. Um, cause I think Pac-Man did a lot more for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the next step on that evolution. I'm going to leave you with this last question and then we'll wrap <laughs> up. But it's, it's well known that, you know, the NES kind of boosted the game industry out of the crash. Yes, it did. With your knowledge and and experience of like studying everything around like around that era and everything, in your opinion, is the NES the most important video game console of all time? Yes, I a hundred percent think that the NES is the most significant video game console that has ever been released. Um, You know, people can argue for like the Pong home console, people can argue for Atari. Uh, People will argue for like the Wii and the PlayStation, things like that. But the NES is essentially the system that saved a failing industry. I think that without the NES, um, computer gaming would have survived. But I think that console gaming would have died entirely. Um, home console gaming would just be dead. Um, 
And the way that Nintendo actually handled the release of the NES is, in my opinion, one of the most genius pieces of, like, marketing in the history of ever. Um, Because they realized what all went wrong with the U.S. industry and, like, what happened with Atari and why... um, why all these other consoles failed so, so significantly and so quickly. Um, I mean, that's that's one thing that a lot of people don't talk about a lot is that um, 82 is the first uh, winter 82, like Christmas, holidays, whatever you want to call it. 82 is when you start getting the crash. And by 83, it's pretty much dead. Like, that was fast. Um, so Nintendo looked at what they did wrong they looked at the fact that anybody could develop whatever they want for the system um no matter what uh and it was attached to your console obviously bad when you have pornographic games coming out (laughs) um and bad quality games um you know a lot of people will cite et uh et actually doesn't deserve as much flack as it gets um but, you know, E.T., Pac-Man, those kinds of things really, really led to a utter destruction of um, of an entire industry, which is appalling that, like, that could happen so quickly because of just a few things. And um, so they, they realized that you can't just let anybody produce whatever they want. It can't be an open development season. Um and so they came up with the whole idea of like the Nintendo seal of approval, which people usually misunderstand as it being like a good game. Right. It just, <laughs> it's not the case. It just means Nintendo approved it. Which also uh, led to like, you know, the, the unlicensed games, like the Tengen games, like the Black Archers games. Like we're going to skirt around this and make our and release our own stuff just like because we're rebels and stuff like that. <laughs> And um, another thing that Nintendo did differently that had not been done um, is that previous to the NES release, games were marketed more as just straight-up electronics. Um, They were marketed, like, higher-end. I know that I've discussed this with you before, but um, if you go through, like, Playboy magazine in, like, the early 80s, it's, it's... marketed very like high-end this is going to be your your gentleman lifestyle uh it, it's right up there with like your vhs and stuff like that like it's ridiculous how how it's marketed um i think it was not vhs at that time but you get my point yeah so it's like a very high-end type thing even though um you know even at this time kids were playing games so what Nintendo does after everything crashes is they decide that they're going to market it more in like toy stores. They're going to market it more towards a younger audience. That way it can be considered a family friendly thing, which gives away like the stigma of like the adult games that had come out. Um, it comes across as more of a like your entire family can enjoy this as opposed to just one person in your family. So it has... Um, a a greater value in terms of marketing. And it, it didn't hurt them by any means that they had, you know, 
recognizable figures at that point with Donkey Kong and um, who will eventually be like Mario and um, you know Mario Brothers itself was just like such a revolutionary game but um, the, the, the way that they decided to take this marketing for the NES it wasn't just the system that saved it it was how they marketed it and how they changed the idea of video games so that, you know, it was considered more of like a toy, which I know that a lot of people nowadays get really offended by that. Right. They get offended by the idea that like video gaming is for children, the video gaming is a toy, but you also have to appreciate that that's what saved an industry that you like. Um, that was what made it acceptable and made made video gaming more of a a cultural phenomenon again. Whereas before it was just considered an utter failure. Right. So yeah, I 100% <laughs> would think that the NES is the most important console to date that has been released. I just, I just found this like just now. Uh, there was a piece of marketing material that they used and it has uh, Rob the Robot in it. And the, yep. the tag is, they said reviving the video game market wasn't humanly possible. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's actually really smart. Yeah, <laughs> I'm super glad that you have all that knowledge because, like, I love—I literally love listening to <laughs> to you, like, just talk all that knowledge. It's fascinating. Throw down the truth bombs. <laughs> exactly. I think that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, though. All right, let's let's end it here. Somehow we all, we are going two hours. Are you kidding me? How did we do this? It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, let me look up real quick and see what we're doing next week. Uh, while we do that, uh, hey, thanks for wa for watching. Not yeah, for listening. Uh, <laughs> this has been Seasonal Amateur Checkup OVA episode number thirteen. For more information, check out seasonalamatecheckup.com or sac.cool. You can find Anladium at anladium.com. And for episode fourteen, woo. Episode 14, let's just leave a question mark on there because I'm not exactly sure if we're going to do that episode yet or not. <laughs> we might not have enough time yet, so. It is a mystery. It is a mystery. Uh, we're either going to do another retrospective episode or we're going to talk about some brand new stuff. Oh, snap. It, it literally just depends if we have enough time to to play said new stuff. Right, yeah. I mean, I've I've got some weird stuff happening in the next few weeks so my apologies to to you dudes but uh it, it may have to the new stuff may have to come later but, but even then like that just gives us more time to play and, and not have to rush into everything so which i appreciate yeah totally with what we're playing we'll want to take our time with it most likely so yeah uh shrug shoulders on, on what's <laughs> happening next week uh, but I think either way, you guys will enjoy it. And yeah, we will see you next week for another rousing edition of the Season Let Me Check Up OVA. Check out all our other episodes. They're all real good. Like, comment, subscribe, leave reviews, all that stuff. Like us a lot, please. <laughs>